talking sports. It's the matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Zizzy podcast. Welcome back to episode 17 of season two here on the Mickey Zizzy podcast, which is, of course, brought to you by none other than Pinnacle Supplementation. What do we do here on this podcast every day, ladies and gentlemen? We strive to reach our pinnacle every single day. Make sure you use that promo code Mickey Zizzy and also to try that new protein powder that's coming out. Big things are happening. Also, big things happening on the field. Of course, we are back to talk NFL recap week two. And I am once again joined by my main man, Mickey James Hines. Say hi to the people, brother. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all aboard the Justin Fields hype train. We're getting the start in week one. We're coming out into this episode with a bang. You already know we're on the hype train. Like you said, Mr. Zizzy, we are the biggest pinnacle supplementation podcast on the universe. All right. I got the blender bottle. I got the protein. I got the multivitamins. Y'all, I'll give you another discount code. When you go buy your protein, you can get 10% off your protein powder if you type in the word protein. All right, so now you get free gear for Mickey Zizzy, and you get 10% off your purchase. Y'all, we're handing out free stuff at this point. Go get your pinnacle. Absolutely. Got to talk it up. But, of course, before we get into the whole hype train business, I knew it was coming. I didn't know the train sound effects were coming. I like that. That's new. So, I know that's all coming. I know you're hyped over there. We do have a lot to talk about with the NFL, but of course, it's a Mickey's Izzy podcast episode. We got to start with our person of the week. Mickey, who you got? See, I kind of wanted to go Matt Nagy or Justin Fields because they're about to start, but I'll keep it a little bit more local here with Colin Cartier, who is the gym owner of the gym I work at. And I just want to say he put on a fabulous show. As you've seen on my social media, I got to compete in the central region, my first CrossFit competition. Yes. And it was uh, a great experience. Great to compete. And there's some dogs out there. There's some really good dudes who are amazing at the sport. And uh, it was just a really well-run uh, event. And I'm super happy, you know, to get back to it and continue to grow as an athlete there in CrossFit. But uh, Colin Carty is going to be my person of the week. And go check out his um, YouTube Joe C, uh, Joe P, and Colin C, Colin C and Joe P. There you go. Uh, they just talk about like workouts, they post workouts, they talk about all kinds of stuff. But person of the week. Hey, we'll take that. I'm always down to help support somebody that's promoting a positive, healthy lifestyle. We're all about that, and that's kind of where it ties into my person of the week. My person of the week goes out to Maggie Jerule, uh, sitting over in Tampa. She's been doing her thing, but we all know that she's a big biker. Uh, she's been a big biker for a long time. She biked in some D1 colleges down at USF, obviously. Uh, got into it when we met her at Cornell um, for the first couple of years that we spent there. However, uh, she actually just was hooking me up with some discounts and some good websites, which I can uh, share with you guys on Twitter at some point as well. Uh, but basically, it's just a website where you can get some good uh, looks at some really nice bikes and they're, whether they're used or new, whatever it is. But um, it's actually there. Those kind of bikes are hard to get your hands on, especially at a good price. Um, really, it was just it hit close to home for me because I was able to tell my mom about it. And if you all don't know, uh, Mama, Mama Yank 
has uh, been biking about 40 to 50 miles a day at this point. Uh, she's, wow. she's training them out. So she, she's good. She's got, not only does she have a more of a social life than I do at this point, ladies and gentlemen, she, she probably works out more than I do. So I, I got to do some stuff to step up, but I was able to sit, share that website with my mom. She was super excited about it. So that, that made me happy, made her happy. And in turn, gets Maggie the person of the week on her. So shout you out over there. Awesome, G Money. That is awesome. Very cool. Um, spreading all the love, spreading all the positivity here, and uh, a little fitness along the way. But uh, person of the week, you know, that's how we always start it. And uh, super happy for those people. But let's continue. Let's continue the train. Keep the train rolling. All right. All right. You can't start off the podcast with some train sounds and then not get into it. I know it's at the t- it's at the tip of your tongue. It's on the front of your mind. Let's talk about it. The Bears. Not only, I mean, let, let's let's get the elephant out of the room. Justin Fields is starting, ladies and gentlemen. He is starting for week three. That's going to be the big news for us looking forward, obviously. I'm going to get that out now. But your Bears coming off of a win. I mean, I mean, talk, talk to me, man. So, obviously, I'm not going to come on here and say, oh, he's the best, da-da-da-da-da. He still has a lot to prove. Um, for sure. when you look at when he came in six for 13 with 60 yards interception, that's not great by any means. He went, won the ball game. He made plays with his legs and he is so good with the football. He learned. And the one thing I loved was when he was talked to after he was, they talked about the play through the interception. Like, yeah, uh, they disguised it. He dropped back and he like recited the play like word for word, kind of what LeBron James does when he can remember like every play that happened. But then you go back to a few others with a few other quarterbacks. They say, oh, I got to look at film, see what I did wrong. He already knows what he did wrong. He's going to grow. He even talked about it this week. Like, I'm made for this moment. This is why I've trained. This is why I want to be who I am ever since QB1. That's why I've been hyping him up ever since. Um, So he's going to get that fixed, Mr. Zizzy. But uh, it was too close to a football game in my eyes. Cincinnati is still a great ball club. They're definitely up and coming here. Uh, They're in a really tough division as well. Um, but you know, it's really good when you go pick off Joey Burrow for three times, one pick six by one of the best linebackers in the NFL, Roquan Smith. It was just great. It was another, I think it was another fumble, fumble recovery as well. There's four takeaways for Chicago. The Bears defense is all the way back. I told them they needed to fix those big plays. I've given up so many big runs, and that's exactly what they did. And they showed that they are the monsters of the midway. Beyond excited um for the Chicago Bears move forward. They're starting to show some life here, and it's just great when David Montgomery is starting to, you know, get on his horse a little bit. He didn't have too good of a game with only 61 yards, but uh, definitely with him at the helmet running back and then with your star receivers like Allen Robinson, who did drop a pass in the end zone from Justin Fields. So we got to get used to these nice dimes. But uh, I'm super excited for the Chicago Bears moving forward. I know we got a tough matchup in Cleveland, but I think Justin Fields is so ready for it. Yeah, and I mean, to add to your point on your defense, I can't sit here and say that the Bears defense is not good. I mean, obviously, it's been great for seasons now. I mean, I would say like the last four seasons, they've been pretty dang dominant. Um, It's just been a question of how dominant are they going to be? Like some people have said the Bears have fall off just because you can't compare to how they were four years ago. That was one of the NFL all time great defenses statistically. But still, Bears are a great defense. And honestly, The Bengals scored 14 of their 17 points in the fourth quarter off of turnovers caused by their defense where they got the ball in the Chicago territory for the most part. So, I mean, honestly, I can't even say that all 14 points are on the Bears defense in that quarter. 
So um, when you look at it, can't argue. You've got, I mean, you've got rookies out there. I want to say Jalen's a rookie, right? Johnson or whatever. No, he's a first year. He should have been the uh, uh, rookie of the year last year, but he got hurt. Okay. okay. Yeah. Second year, whatever. But first career interception. I mean, he's helping out when you got new names showing up and obviously the likes of Khalil Mack and everyone else that's on the defense. The defense is spectacular. Can't argue that. Now, when you look at the offense, Justin Fields is going to start. Justin Fields steps in for injured Andy Dalton. In the long haul, I think it is. And I said it last week on the podcast. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be better for the team. I think his mobility helps you. He definitely has explosive plays. You were able to see him close the game out using his legs by getting that crucial first down. I mean, that's big time. And it's big time for a rookie to be able to do that. On the other hand, the issue may not necessarily be with fields or the quarterback play or the fact that you don't have weapons because I agree Montgomery and A-Rob are great. Montgomery runs hard regardless of the, uh, if he gets the yards or not. But that offensive line is going to make or break your offense this it's whole season. It's not as bad as we think. It's, what, are you kidding me? It's not as bad as we think. What, how, how so? It's they looking can't better than last year. I know they switched that. Yeah, the running is not the running is not his issue. He runs hard, so he can They can't open him up against the Bengals defense, which I mean they've played well through two games, but they are not that good of a defense, not yet. Um, you look at that. You look at the fact that he's on the run already with all these throws. He's having to make tough throws, and I understand there were a couple drops. I acknowledge that as well. He did make a couple. There was the touchdown to A. Rob that was a drop. There was another corner route that was a drop for about 20 and, yards later on. And the PI and Cole Komet when he pushed off. Yeah. Was a I'm saying he should, I'm not putting much on Justin Fields. I think he shows promise. I told everyone it was going to steal the draft from the get-go. I've been on your side about Fields. It's just a matter of with that O-line in front of him and him having to be on the run and him not being able to stay in the pocket necessarily be able to stay and make some of these throws that are going to be available to him. I don't think that you guys are as talented as you believe you are at the wide receiver position to be able to have great scramble drill plays all the time or be able to overcome the lack of offensive line talent that you guys have at the moment. That's your struggle moving forward. Benefit, you have great defense, and I think that Justin Fields takes the job and holds on to it from this point moving forward. You guys have He has a great opportunity to prove himself against the Browns. Which are going to be a tough out, and I'm not sure if you guys will get that win, but still, Justin Fields gives you guys the better benefit of the doubt in my mind. You get it's just you got to fix the O line. That's the biggest issue for the Bears. I don't think I'm going to disagree. I think the O line is improving. We just got to keep make sure we stay healthy. But also, you know, you have to look at it. It got worse worse in week two. It was Uh, worse. Well, obviously, I mean, with the running game and whatnot, it wasn't as successful. Sure, it got worse, but they'll work out those hinks just like what the defense did from week one to week two. Offensive line's got to do a little uh, things here. But even if it doesn't get fixed, you have such a hard worker and such a competitor in Justin Fields. That was the best fumble recovery by a quarterback you've ever seen. He fumbled the ball. Are you He's kidding me? Get out of here. Ball, You're really going to talk about the best fumble recovery of all. Stop it. Yes. Stop Yes. It. Stop he building went, that He fumbled the ball, and he ran uh, – he's – Army crawled back on the ball and fought for it, took it out of the dude's hand to make sure that the ball did not go to the Cincinnati Bengals. You have to look at that, and that's heart. That's playing with, you know, oh my God. an intense mentality. And I love oh, it. Okay. He made a mistake. He went and recovered it and saved oh, a goodness. huge field uh, differential, possession dif- differential there. So I used to look at that, and that's another highlight, even though he did fumble, that you have to look at. 
offensive line problems will get fixed. I think our receivers are going to be fine. But uh, the Bears are going to get the W. You heard it here first. I think with Cleveland, they're going to come on out against a good You never defense. bet against them, so not surprising. Exactly. They're going – I mean, 15-1, and one, here we go, or 16-1, and one, I should say. Um, okay. I love it. I think it's going to be a great kind of matchup for Justin Fields to really show his – you know, why he should be QB1, and we have to see it. I mean, he's no longer the backup. He's the dude. And oh, that's the spotlight he likes to be in. So I hope he can go ball out. They're going to go end up winning. Great winning. Oh, it was it was a sloppy win against Cincinnati, but I'm going to take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. Hey, well, I mean, a win is a win, absolutely. I'll take that anytime. But while you're over there living in La La 16 in one land and, I don't know, making outrageous takes – I'll be over here just worrying about the fact that you really just described in detail the type of crawling this man did to pick up a fumble. I cannot believe that you just did that. So uh, we're not going to fantasize a player for fumble recoveries right now. Hey, I asked about talking? heart. I talk about heart. Hey, are you talking about oh, – stop it. Stop it. But okay. <laughs> okay. I, and the only – next you're going to be like, hey, Cam Newton could have jumped on that fumble. Back could have. Stop it. <laughs> anyway moving on we'll talk about the bears um honestly i mean you, you talk about the bears so obviously we can follow it up and i will for one of my teams i want to discuss is the miami dolphins because uh i worry i worry about us at this point um Tua's out officially for week three he has been diagnosed with fractured ribs i can tell you as somebody that has also experienced that uh, I knew it happened immediately after watching that play. Uh, I don't know where you want. We want to talk about Chicago's offensive line. Miami, we, we have to fix our offensive line as well. He was out there for six plays and got killed on four of them. Um, without Tua in the game on offense, I, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, it looked pretty bleak to get beat by 35 and to drop a donut on the scoreboard in week two. That hurts, especially against a division rival who we know we're going to have to beat and compete with uh, if we have any chance in the future for a uh, run in the playoffs. I had the Dolphins as the number five team in the AFC coming into the um, season. Without Tua at quarterback, I don't know because it definitely – our offense looked way different than it did even though we, we only scored 17 in week one, but at least our offense looked productive when it was on the field. Uh, I saw nothing but turnovers. We couldn't do anything in the red zone. Um, our defense did everything they could as far as creating turnovers, but even that didn't lead to points. So uh, we, we, I worry about uh, the Dolphins' future without knowing how long two is going to really be out or injured at this point. I was a big uh, believer in two at time. I was, you know, turning back to the clock there with you on it, and it is a huge uh, – punch to the ribs no pun intended there uh to see him go down uh, yeah. you, something you do hate to see um <laughs> Jacoby Brissett though went in through 169 only 10 yards less than Josh Allen so I mean you might have some product but it's not going to be like you said the top five team I think Miami is definitely going to hurt from Tua not being there now, the Buffalo Bills, though, I mean, they didn't – like you said, it was more just like the turnover slash – like no one really balled out. You had the 179, two touchdowns and interception for Josh Allen. Josh Allen is not no. shown the Josh Allen from last year, the quote-unquote could have been MVP type of player. You had Devin Singletary who rushed for 82 yards, and, you know, Zach Moss had two touchdowns for 26. Like, so their running game 
was good, yes. But, like, it was just, like, a weird way to get to 35-0. Typically, when you see that, like, with Tom Brady, you might throw five touchdowns or running back have four type of thing. But you, you didn't see it. So, it was a weird way to win 35 to nothing. But I think it was just one of those things, like, oh, no, our star player, our face of our franchise just got hurt. And the morale of the team went down. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, we it happens oh, yeah. at home. it happens at home. We get blown out like that. Um, they obviously, I mean, they score thirty five points because we gave them so many turnovers in our territory. But I mean, for the defense to even play how they did, I mean, they only they kept Josh Allen to one hundred and eighty yards. They kept Devin Singletary had eighty two yards rushing, but forty six of them were on his first carry of the game when he broke out for that touchdown. So I mean, for the rest of the game, he only has forty yards rushing. It's not like they really did a whole lot. We just we beat ourselves and looked completely dead. That's what I'm saying. That's why that 35-0, like it just it's so weird. Like typically you see like they just got blown out, but they didn't. So that's something you could possibly give life here on the Miami Dolphins. Uh because even the defense, believe in that. But damn, I mean we, Tua was the question coming in as far as like he's gotta be the guy, but now he can't even be there to play. So that I don't know. <laughs> It's going to be tough, like I was getting into. Jacoby Brissett is a good backup, but, like, for him to start and trying to, you know, build up your franchise to be a potential playoff team is going to be tough. So, uh, I do have to ask you, we were talking in some of our group chats, do you think Deshaun Watson will come to the Miami Dolphins' rescue? Tyrod Taylor's hurt Um, right now, too. I mean, they have a high asking price for him. Um, However... If any team is equipped with the assets to go get him, it is us. Now I can't sit here and say like I love Tua, I love him. I love I like I would love to see him develop and be our quarterback for the future. But I would be dumb as a Miami Dolphins fan to say I would not welcome that idea at this point. I mean, we could probably trade Tua even with him just because ha- it's not a permanent injury. But you could trade him with a our picks that we have as assets and go get Deshaun Watson. And at that point, the only real question mark on our team would be our offensive line. And to me, even with that, we've seen Deshaun Watson overcome that when he was with Houston. I, I mean, that that's a super – that's a – that is cha- drastically changes the trajectory of that Miami Dolphins team and makes them a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. So, to me – I, I'm perfectly okay with that, and I welcome that idea, but it's also you bring into question the entire situation of Sean Watson in general. Like, the only re- like he can he can play right now. Like, a lot of people don't realize that. They think he's on the exempt list or that he's been suspended or whatever by the NFL. Like, Deshaun Watson is allowed to play football at, this cur- at the current time. Like, he can play on Sundays. But Houston, obviously, and with, for obvious reasons, with the 22 law cases open against him, they're not going to play him because if anything ends up turning out, like, it would, you know, just how bad that looks on the organization, you know? On top of that, Deshaun Watson still says he doesn't want to play for Houston in general. So there's a lot going on there. But as a fan of the Dolphins, yeah, I say go get him. I don't, I, at this point, why not? I mean, we don't even know how, if two is going to be the same player the rest of the season at this point. So, I, I mean, for, comp, for com- competition, yes, I'm all about that. Well, I've been saying this since the get-go, since him and Jalen Hurts have, you know, been drafted. Jalen Hurts has now still been proven that he is the better quarterback than Tua. 
because I mean, granted, Tua has was getting lit up there and has been a little bit more injured prone, right. but that's people, also people want to say like Tua, Tua wasn't doing anything before he got hurt. He played one series, <laughs> played one series. No, no, and yeah, one game, you know. But this just goes more to my point. But uh, Dolphins have a lot to do, a lot to look at, and a lot of decisions to make. Um, even on Houston's side with Tyrod Taylor being out there for Thursday night football, that's going to be a tough one for them to swallow as well as they were close to the Browns. I mean, it was, what, 21-31? Yeah, 21-31. So, I mean, the Texans were kind of rolling, but I'm not going to get into that game. But, like, so they also have to make some decisions. Yeah. Now, moving on here, Mr. Zizzy, before we get into more matchups from week number two, we have to talk about the NFL pickums because you know we're off and we're rolling. So of course, of course, I feel good about it anyway. So absolutely. Oh yeah, you definitely should. So last week the big winner was Mason Davis, which last year he was a front runner to become an All American or win the whole thing last year, but he fell off there in the later weeks. So in week two, uh, like I said, the winner was thirteen and three with Mason Davis, and that's a good that's a good record for this past week because there was a lot of upsets. Oh yeah, and then knocking on the door in second place is yours truly, Zizzy. Stand up, yeah, he's making it. We are both all Americans here for the Beat the Podcast NFL Pickums. You're twenty two and ten, and then it's a lot of people tied for third. Greeny, no Greeny. Still had a good week. I think he went 10 wow. and 6. Wow. 10 and 6 for Greeny, no Greeny. So it's pretty good flipping on the card here. Steven Ruiz, Mickey Hines, and Ben Alger are all in the top three, which Ooh, myself and also. It's okay. Yep, which Steven was tied with you for third last year, which made him become an All American and myself yes, second sir. last yes, year. Sir. And Ben's getting back up there. Last year's champion showing what, you know his name for himself. So there's kind of the top three after week two. It's going and it's rolling. Picks are coming in for week number three. And then real quick, uh, the biggest upset was probably the Las Vegas Pittsburgh game. Only myself, Nolan Tubal, Mason Davis, and Greeny No Greeny had Vegas winning that game. The Carolina New Orleans game, which we talked about upsets. Once again, yep. it was Mason yeah. Davis who had Carolina, David wow. Taylor who had Carolina, pick. and Riley Bell did. So only those three people did. Um, what a pick. And otherwise, it was just a lot of big W's. Obviously, the Kansas City game, the only person who chose Baltimore to win was Stephen Ruiz. So, I mean, you got to shout out those people there who are in the podcast pickums and some of the highlights like uh, from their picks. But that's our quick little update on Beat the Podcast. Yeah, wow. I'm very surprised. I mean, obviously, betting against the Chiefs is something that I very rarely ever do, but against a banged-up Ravens team, I knew Lamar was good and he does his thing, but what an upset. What a pick by Scuba. All right. Which, going right into that game, talking about the uh, Sunday night matchup with the Chris Collins where slide-ins are absolutely electric. <laughs> hey, hey, please, please keep track of, track of those because that was incredible. That made me laugh so hard. Yes, it's it's great. I have one of them to tweet back at me. Um, but once again, this was another prime time fight. I mean, this was absolutely amazing to watch. You had Patty Mahomes go three forty three for three touchdowns and had an interception, which you don't see too many of those from him. Uh, First Travis one Kelsey ever in September. Doing, yeah, Travis Kelsey still in his thing, hundred yards, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you know, not necessarily the best day at quarterback with two thirty nine a touchdown and two picks, but. 
him with the ball in his hand and running is amazing. Like the human uh, joystick, like Kyle Murray, which we'll probably get into that game as well. But uh, Lamar had 100 yards rushing as well, Yank. Like when your quarterback can rush for 100 and get two touchdowns on the ground and then pass for 200, like is he playing Madden in our league or what? Um, It's really great to see. And Baltimore is going to be one of those teams this year, Yank, that's going to be so up and down. One week, Lamar is going to ball out. They're going to go out and win, and their defense might get a few stops here or there. But then, you know, the following week, they could go lay an egg and like, oh, they're not back. Lamar doesn't connect on these passes. He doesn't make that big play. He does get tripped up here or there. So I think Baltimore, you know, dare I say, they're still, I think, going to be a playoff team. But it's kind of a pick or choose. Like, it's kind of almost a risk to take, almost a gamble to take them, you know, for uh, a win or not or so. So, I mean, they showed a lot of their shoe colors against Kansas City. Like, hey, we're that team. But will they be able to take it for the rest of the year? Who knows? But uh, that's kind of my take on Baltimore. Kansas City will bounce back. It's going to be a good slap in the face for them. Like, all right, we need to work for it because we got the big target on our back. Well, I mean, I still believe Kansas City wins this game if you don't have a fumble right there at the end. I mean, they were just literally running time out on the clock to kick a chip shot field goal and you win. So, I mean, uh, you cannot give the ball just like you don't get the ball to Tom Brady with a minute 20 left or whatever else, even more than that. You never do that for Patrick Mahomes. You can't give him the ball like that. He's going to make sure that they win the game um, if he can help it. Obviously, he didn't commit the turnover, so it's not on him. But nonetheless, Kansas City will not have an undefeated season, and they take an L against a banged-up Ravens team. Ravens, it's all about Lamar, man. We knew that coming into the game, but I just find it funny. I remember seeing all the ESPN reports and everything like that. They were saying, like, oh, is this the year that the defenses have Lamar figured out finally? Like, are they finally going to be able to defend him? Nope. Is Lamar really going <laughs> to struggle? I don't get it doesn't matter. He like not even just comparing it to running backs or other wide receivers or anybody else in the league, but like the way he runs the ball, the cuts he makes, the the mobility that the agility, it's not something that you can just maintain. That is a God gifted talent. And he is incredible to be able to do it and do and be such a dual threat the way that he does. Um, like you said, he throws for almost 250 yards. He gets a touchdown. Yeah, he had the two interceptions early, which you would never think that when Kansas City gets interceptions and a pick six or something like that early in a game, like you would never think that they're going to relinquish a lead. But the Ravens stayed calm. Lamar settled in. They figured out that they couldn't stop the run and they couldn't stop him from do- being a dual threat. And he took full advantage and they played to their strengths. Uh, Coach Harbaugh looks at Lamar when the game's on the line, asks him what's he want to do. That's what you do when you have a superstar player. That's what you do when you have an NFL MVP. You trust your guy. And what did they do? Put the ball in his hands. He runs. He gets the fourth down. They win the game. It's a big win for the Ravens. Gives them great confidence moving forward. I think that's actually the win that's they're, they're going to need to um, get over their injury issues. I think that sometimes confidence is just a powerful thing. Um, I think to beat the Chiefs when you're that banged up and it lets them know that they're still a formidable team, lets them know how scary they would be if they were at full strength. And uh, in my mind, might be able to be- propel them into a pretty solid playoff position moving forward if they can keep it going um, and keep that momentum throughout the rest of obviously the first half of the season. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's a Lamar Jackson world when it comes to Baltimore, man. He's incredible. He's the scariest dual he's the scariest person i mean kyler the way he moves around in the pocket is starting to get on his level a little bit in my opinion because he's he's a even 
more accurate thrower. But Lamar Jackson is the most dangerous quarterback, in my opinion, to defend. Like, I imagine trying to defend him. I know I got a little look at it, like, on our level with DB, just yep. in practice and getting to watching games and playing flag with him, whatever else. But, I mean, this is the NFL's version of that. And I would I try to imagine covering it, and it's it's sounds awful. So, yeah, the uh, that is so cool when Coach Harbaugh does say, You want to go for it? All right, let's do it. And it was just not even another second thought. Kansas City also has some of those linemen troubles here or there. You got to talk about something that they can work on. And the big fumble there late at the end. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have the dudes, have the players, have the defense, have the receivers, have, you know, that quarterback. You just got to play that mistake free football. And I think Kansas City is one of those teams like, the monkeys off the back like we got the first loss out of the way and now they can just do them and go win every game like they're you know supposed to absolutely absolutely so about it on that you got any more recaps or takes from the sunday night game nope not from the sunday night game all right all right all right so we each got another another game that we can talk about real quick so what what you feeling we got I also want to bring up, we were talking about Kyler Murray as we're one of the bigger Kyler Murray podcasts here in in the universe. We're bringing that back. But uh, you got to talk about the elephant in the room when it comes to this game. Minnesota. The game was on the line. I was getting scared. Like, Arizona's going to lose. What? You have Kirk Cousins going off, looking like young Kirk with, you like that, 244 and three touchdowns. And then Dalvin Cook <laughs> rushed for 130. So, I mean, the Vikings were – but I mean, Kyler Murray puts up a 400 piece, three tutties, and those two picks do her. Uh, we love him. That's why we love him here on the podcast. He's a playmaker. He's just bouncing off dudes, looking like a uh, pinball machine, and uh, out there making plays. Rondale Moore from Purdue, the rookie, which I know our friend Zach Greenwell said he was going to be great. Uh, had a phenomenal game. So many weapons, Yank. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondell yeah. Moore. I'm starting to like Chase Edmonds a little bit. They also have James Conner, another fantastic running back. We talked about how good this Cardinals team can be, but they can't let up 33 points to the Vikings if that defense is going to be somewhat better from last year. But the elephant, like I was saying earlier, the missed kick. Now, I want to make fun of them, Yank. I want to say, you know, ha-ha, like the guy from, home, uh, from the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've been there. I know the pain. I know Minnesota fans have went through it a whole lot more than I have, but to see it happen, happen, and happen again and again, I, it just it honestly breaks my heart. Like I, I, I felt sad for Minnesota fans, and that's coming a lot from a Chicago Bears fan. I love it that Arizona <laughs> won and the Vikings lost, obviously, but like to lose it that way, and then you turn the channel and the Dallas Cowboys go win it that way with a field goal over the Chargers, it's crazy. But uh. Yeah, that definitely hurts seeing for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, yeah, I mean that would have killed any skull chant at all. At <laughs> immediately, there's nothing else that the Minnesota Vikings fans could have hated more in that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was still well deserved. It's still a great game played by the Cardinals, especially to go down the way that they did early to bounce back and fight and claw their way. I mean, the defense did not play that well. I mean, to allow 30, over 30 points in the league, no matter what, is not a great day for your defense. But they had the playmakers that played the plays later on when they needed to. Um, obviously, the addition of J.J. Watt has proven to be very useful through two games. Um, 
but really it's their receiving core, like you said, that you look at and you're just it's not just Kyler Murray because we know what he can do. I mean, he's playing he's playing Madden as well with with himself out there and the um, just he's a human ju- joystick. Completely running out of the pocket, completely changing directions, throwing across his body, making completions. Um, it's incredible to see. But when you have the emergence of a Rondale Moore for seven catches going north of 100 in a touchdown, when you have the emergence of a tight end and Max Williams, who through two weeks has been one of the more, most productive tight ends in the uh, league, I mean – I mean, that says something because now you have Christian Kirk, who we know is a deep threat. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who is the top three receiver in the NFL. He still makes incredible catches, still gets his touchdowns, still going to get you your fantasy points if you've got him on your team. And A.J. Green, obviously not what he used to be, but still with even a fraction of what he used to be, he's, a suitable, number three. Yeah, on, he's a suitable wide receiver to be your number three at the least. Chase Edmonds, like you said, has proved himself out of the backfield. They have James Conner if he comes in and does his duties as a backup. I mean, all that behind someone like Kyler Murray, who I think this is his third year now in the league, is hitting that prime developmental stage in his career where he's everything's slowing down and starting to understand the process, understand the coverage, understand what his team's trying to do, can move the ball with the game plan. I mean, he's throwing for 400 yards. He only had seven incompletions. I mean, he is a MVP candidate off the bat coming out of the first two weeks. He is a lightning in a bottle type of player. We obviously love him here on the podcast, but he makes the Cardinals a formidable opponent moving forward. I know you had them, I want to say, in the top five for the NFC teams. Oh, yeah. Um, I had them just outside it. But still, this is a this is a fantastic team, and they're going to be a threat no matter who they play as, much, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that defense, I mean, yeah, they let up 30 points, but they got the dudes also on defense. So it's just about putting it all together. I mean, they snuck away with the W, and you'd rather be on that side than, like, you blowing a lead or trying to come back and you fall short. So Arizona's going to be fine in the future. We talked about all the great things, but uh, it's just so fun to watch him play. You just go watch Kyler Murray be Kyler Murray, and it's absolutely amazing. He's becoming a household name, uh, always making ESPN highlights, all this and that. So I'm really excited to see what the Cardinals will be doing, you know, in the future. Um, so that's going to be, you know, amazing just to watch in my eyes and then real quick the cardinals are going to play the jaguars which should be a w for them if they play but it's also going to be another one like if they win by a big margin the cardinals are the real deal if it's another close game like minnesota was are the cardinals frauds i don't know i don't think so personally i think they're going to go put up a good you know win by 15 points or so over the jaguars yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call them frauds or anything just yet, even if they have a close game with the Jaguars, but they should win that game. I mean, even though Trevor Lawrence has showed some promise through his first couple games, I mean, you can't compare him to someone like a Kyler Murray right now. That Just off the bat, they should win that game. If you guys want a sneak pick at a pick for Mickey Zizzy on week three NFL pickums, I'm taking the Cardinals. <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Shocker. All right, what's your what's another team you want to read? All right, I I actually was gonna jump right over. I mean, we were talking about the really close game when it came to the Cardinals and the Vikings, so I wanted to jump right back to the Thursday night game. We I mean we talked about it 
a little bit. It's been discussed, but the Washington football team and the New York Giants. I mean, it was a high-scoring game against two defenses that if a lot of people probably started in fantasy because, I mean, those those were promising defenses coming into the season, and they're going against offenses that one for Washington has Taylor Heineke's first-ever start and one against the Giants who you can kind of guarantee that there's going to be a turnover or something at some point. Um, but nonetheless, high-scoring game. Washington gets the win. There's just um, there's multiple storylines coming out of this game that are intriguing to me. Um, obviously, as a Dolphins fan, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I think that he was incredible and he did great for us last season, but he's going to lose his starting position again in Washington. I mean, it, it was one game, but I truly believe we've seen enough of Taylor Heineke to think that he might have some real promise when it comes to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, he not only does he get the 336 yards and two touchdowns, he throws 46 passes in his first ever start. I mean, those are incredible numbers. We saw him throw some dimes. We saw him lead some promising drives down the field when he needed to in clutch time. But if you think back, he had those flashes against Tampa Bay in the playoffs when Smith and everybody went down. I mean, he's he's shown glimpses of spectacular quarterback play. And I think that Washington has actually found their long-term answer. And people were talking about, should they go get Cam Newton? Is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be good enough to be a starter for an entire season? I don't think they have to worry about that anymore. And that's pretty big to me. So that, that says a lot for Washington moving forward, especially in a division that isn't the strongest. Um, the Giants, for once, they did not lose the game because of Daniel Jones. I thought Daniel Jones played incredible. We often forget how great he is on the ground. He's an actually extremely mobile quarterback. He himself almost ran for 100 yards. He had 95 yards on nine carries. Like, you're averaging 10 and a half yards a carry as a quarterback, and you have a touchdown on the ground plus the yards he had through the air. I mean, he had a great game. The thing you got to take away here is you're in a weak division, obviously, with the Giants, the Washington football team, the Eagles, the Cowboys. I mean, there's good teams in there, but they're always looked at as a weak division. When you lose games because of just discipline issues, I mean, Dexter Lawrence, to to have yourself get called offsides on the final play of the game when it's a kick and that kick actually was no good and then you move them five yards closer, give them a chip shot, retry, and he obviously makes it to win the game. Um, honestly, I'd be surprised. I would never be surprised if somebody did that and the next day in a professional sports league, they were told to clear out their locker. Like <laughs> that's, that's something that I honestly was thinking when I was watching the game. I saw that and it's just like, dude, he's not going to have a job tomorrow. Like you can't do that in the league. Um, but really, my takeaway is Joe Judge. I've, I've liked what he's tried to do to change the culture in New York. But to this point, it hasn't worked. I mean, it's been about a season and a half now. And for you to lose a game on something like that, like that's a disciplinary, that's a coaching issue. And I think that we need to start put maybe thinking about Joe Judge on the hot seat even after only maybe two seasons in New York if this doesn't improve and they lose other games in similar nature or they keep losing close games. You've got to close it out in the league, especially when you got a chance to win a division. I wouldn't necessarily say – That was a lot. Say, I'm sorry. 
I wouldn't lot. say he is on the hot seat. I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, when your star player of the face of your franchise uh, gets goes out last to that, and Saquon Barkley is tough to uh, you know bounce back from that. We talked about Daniel Jones potentially being an elite quarterback a year ago. This year, I mean, no way. After all the production, he did not do. A year Just to make progress, he got butterfingers. He, he he he's fast. Don't get me wrong, he's fast, but he ain't no human joystick. He's very good, you know, uh, north and south, and he did show a little bit glimpse here and there. But for uh, the flip side, that being the football team, Heineke, oh yeah, three thirty six for two tutties. Yeah, that that's nice, nice, and. Washington doesn't have that many great dudes. You can say Logan uh, Thomas is okay. I think Terry McLaurin is uh, I think McLaurin becoming, great. becoming a potential top 10 receiver in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, a potential. I'm not saying he is right now, but like he has. Don't get the season, Samuel back in a few weeks. Yeah, and then, I mean, Gibson, which I'm not a big fan of at the running back position, and then J.D. McKissick, who I am. Uh, they got solid dudes there. So, I mean, Washington is just solid. That defense is great. But for Daniel Jones to do, you know, 29 on their defense, like, it hurts a little bit. So, I wouldn't – and I wouldn't also say that this division is now the weakest. I mean, the NFC North is the – uh, Yeah, maybe not the weakest as a division. But for some – I just – that's the, that's the narrative when you talk about the NFC um, the NFC East, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has been that's the past two, three years. So, but will it change with these teams emerging as good teams like Washington with Tyler Taylor Henneke or uh, Taylor, my apologies, and yeah. the Eagles thriving with Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott coming back and the Cowboys are back? Like, those are three teams. Like, all right, those are three different teams. Now, the Giants are still kind of – I wouldn't call them the doormat of the NFL, but they need to fix things out. They're in the garage right now, tuning up their team, making sure everything else is the correct fit. Uh, so we'll see how it does. I think Joe Judge, you give him two more years after this year, then you can put him on the hot seat. Um, but I don't think he should lose his job after this year. Okay. All right. Just too much stuff. Too much stuff's been happening. No, I get it. Like, I get I need it. To deal with I, this. I have to face that. But I know there's just certain things that I think. I mean, like you have the discipline and. Like just in-game penalty issues. Oh, that, that's that's every team. I know. Not not it. Not in, Not necessarily though. In those types of situations, you got to also realize the situation. Like you cannot. I mean, maybe it is just a straight space or dumb. Like it was a dumb mistake. I know people make mistakes in games. I've been there, but like, gosh, man, there's like one thing you cannot do in that situation, and somebody does it. So that says that you also have Saquon Barkley, who's supposed to be the future of your franchise. Where is he? Where is the help that he has from this O-line? That's the one question mark that they've had for a decade, and the Giants cannot figure that out. I know that's not just uh, Joe Judge, obviously. He hasn't been there that long, but it's just when when is somebody going to be able to figure something out to open up the run game? Where is somebody else going to be able to help Daniel Jones? The fact that he has to do it all and be like the Lamar Jackson of the New York Giants, like that doesn't sit well with me. That just doesn't tell – me that they're utilizing everything to the best of their ability so um they have things to figure out yes um but i i don't know that that's just where i'm at at least now yeah i mean uh it is going to be tough for them not necessarily to rebuild everything but you know how many touches does saquon need before you know potentially damaging his health and moving forward, like, what plays do you need to make sure that Daniel Jones is successful? Because he can be successful. I think they're not calling the right plays, the right schemes for him. So we will see.
Absolutely. But that's all I've got as far as for our full takes, I believe. And I, I think we would like to go through the rest of them in our quick lightning round oh, as we have gone yeah. through and introduced to the Mickey's Izzy podcast, our NFL recap lightning rounds that we will do at the end of each week to cover the games that we did not talk about. Um, with that being said, I've got a list in front of me. You want me to go just down the list? Ooh, you're going to take the lead, call you Lightning McQueen, because we're about to go. Ka-chow. <laughs> Hit us with it. <laughs> All right. Texans, Browns, you first go. Already with the Texans and the Browns, already talked about it a little bit. Baker Mayfield didn't really show out too much. That run game's got to improve even more. Houston's having some problems down there. Houston, we have a problem. The Texans need to fix it up here soon. Uh, easy W for the Browns, a little bit closer than you thought. They covered the spread. Yeah, um, the Browns are a great team. I don't want people to get it twisted just because they had a close game with the Texans who nobody has really expected much from without Deshaun Watson at quarterback. The Browns are a great team. Baker Mayfield continues to develop. He shakes off an injury, comes back, and leads them back for a comeback win. The run game has consistently looked there through the first two weeks. Their one loss is to a Kansas City team who all of us expect to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. And on the other side, you look at the Texans. I was getting ready to come on here and talk about, hold up, we have misjudged the Texans. We said they were going to be terrible. They look like a good team. The only question is now, Without Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, are they still going to be a team that is become that can come out and be competitive? Because as no. soon as he went out, I mean, Dave Mills is the new quarterback. He's coming out of Stanford. He's a rookie, but they didn't really. I don't think they scored again once he took over. I think they actually they scored one touchdown once he took over at quarterback after Tyrod got injured. The future looks bleak in Houston. All right. So next we got Rams Colts. Go ahead. Now, the LR Rams, I was expecting a huge blow here with this potential amazing offense with Matt Stafford and that being Sean McVay. But uh, they came out and almost lost a football game. I think special teams are special in this game as well. If I'm not mistaken, there was a blocked punt on this uh, in this game. Uh, was I right? Yes, a fumble, or at least there's a big fumble. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Nope. Can't Uh-oh. find it. Okay. Uh, I thought I knew it, but I didn't know it. I thought that was it. I remember watching this past weekend, and there was a <laughs> huge pump block, and it didn't happen this game. I'm dumb. Moving forward, though, uh, hopefully that offense can still strive because Indianapolis Colts' defense is still good. I still think walking to him once is not a good quarterback. I don't think that's the fit for the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be tough coming back from a 0-2 start to the season when but it was a very tough matchup, L.A., easy W. But it came closer than we thought. Yeah. Um, that way to contradict yourself at the end there. <laughs> we love that. Easy W, yes. but it was closer than we expected. So All right. Me. Anyway. Um, no. Los Angeles Rams, I think they still show that they're one of the best teams in the NFC. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with down, uh, down the road. Matthew Stafford doing what he needs to do through the year. Yes, he threw the one interception, but – also, the two touchdowns almost had a back-to-back 300-yard games. His rapport with Cooper Cup, that's something to be talked about. Cooper Cup might be a top receiver in the NFL this year. He's been over 150 yards back-to-back weeks. That's crazy stats. Uh, it's the first ever Ram to have uh, back-to-back 100-yard games with a touchdown to start a season, which I thought was a crazy stat. So 
Rams offense looking explosive, especially if they start to get Robert Woods and some of these other playmakers in the mix. Daryl Henderson only had 53 yards, but getting a score on the ground. Their offense looks explosive. They've got playmakers on defense. The Rams are still a great team to play. Now on the other side, the Colts. I disagree with you. I think Carson Wentz has looked a lot better than people have given him credit for. Now, don't get me wrong. That shuffle pass interception was horrible. But other than that, what did the Colts do the moment he went out? They were no longer competitive, at least in the game. They were playing a Rams team where every time they got the ball, they went down, they scored, they took the lead back. They were fighting this Rams team. And it's a game that we didn't think was going to be this close, and it comes down to a three-point game in which no points were scored when Jacob Easton took over as quarterback. Like, I don't know. Carson Wentz actually made their offense look a lot more productive than anything else I've seen over the past year and a half or so. So I I think it's been decent and a lot better than what people think. In Indianapolis, the only thing is he's once again got hit with the injury bug. Worry about that moving forward. All right. Moving on to the Patriots and Jets. Another AFC East matchup. Got to love that. But what do you got? Um, by the way, I was right. There was a fumble on special teams. On hey, the good call, so I was right. But uh, go on. What game are we doing? Patriots Jets. Now, Zach I N T Wilson. I've been calling it from the get go. B U S T B U S T. He is a bust. I'm sorry. I know Bill Belichick loves coaching against rookie quarterbacks that being uh we saw this past uh weekend um absolutely terrible uh it was a solid w for the new england patriots mac jones is still learning that offense and uh damian harris is a great running back i think uh new england's finally found their star running back to uh run behind and the patriots just went in took care of business left with a sorry jets you need to figure out something you are still the doormat of the NFL and the Patriots. Just, but uh, it was pretty hilarious watching. I do have to say it was funny. There's a reason why I said before we even did the NFL draft episode why this guy should not be picked as high as people were telling him he was going to be picked. Exactly. I, said, drop him out of the, I said drop him out of the top ten. What did he do in college? He had one good year. One good year after he's been in college for four seasons and redshirted a year. He knows what's going on. He's learned the system. It's all He's got a leg up on the competition. He's playing against teams that really weren't all that competitive to begin with. And the season before that, he had almost a more almost more interceptions than touchdowns. Now you get to the league. Has he thrown a professional touchdown yet? I think he's got two. I think he did throw two in week one. But you come out in week two, it's a division rival. I know it's Bill Belichick. He feasts on rookie quarterbacks. It's a scary defensive matchup. It's not anything you want to deal with. But it's not like the interceptions were great defensive play. He threw three awful interceptions i don't know where he was looking i don't know that one of them there was no receiver in the area he just threw it straight to a defender i mean this guy looks lost he looks confused he looks like he doesn't know what he has out there and he's got the same bug that the previous jets quarterback had with sam darnold he's seeing ghosts out there he is seeing ghosts out jets you got to figure it out moving forward because this quarterback ain't it. B-U-S-T. B-U-S-T. Moving on. All right. 
Next game, we got 49ers, Eagles. Surprised we didn't talk about that. It was a nail-biter, but all defense. Oh, yes, it was. That 17-2-11 ball game. Now, I was very upset because I did have Philly with the upset, which did not happen, and that's A-OK. Jalen Hurts goes into this game and doesn't score a touchdown. I'm not going to say, you know, the whole game was on him because on the rushing no, side, rushing. 82 yards and a touchdown for rushing. So, I mean, he's also one of those very mobile quarterbacks. Now, you also have to look about who he's throwing to. Yeah, Devontae Smith, I'm loving it. Don't get me wrong. Jalen Riggers, well, one of the quote-unquote guys he has to throw to. But then Quez Watkins was the one with 117 yards. With one of targets. them was a 90-yard play, though. Exactly. Didn't score. Um, I think the Eagles need, like, one or two more missing pieces for them to be an elite team, to be a team to be reckoned with moving on. But uh, for that San Francisco team, they're back to 2-0. Debo Samuel is quite the receiver there. George Kittle is still a leader, which uh, in a great tight end. He didn't have too big of a game there. But you just look at this 49ers team. They're going to be nitty-gritty. They're healthy. They're showing that, hey, you better watch out because San Fran is back as they are 2-0. Yep. 49ers prove everything that I said about them in the preseason when I put them in the top five for the NSA teams. They're all about their defense when they're healthy. And if they that defense is healthy, they are elite, and they can stop great offenses. I don't even think the Eagles are a great offense. I think that they have just found their quarterback of the future in Jalen Hurts. I think he's a great dual-threat quarterback. But until they get weapons, they won't be able to be a real contender um, as far as a playoff run goes. 49ers, a defense does wins championships, and their offense will be good enough with Jimmy G. Exactly, yeah, that defense is going to lead the, lead the way there for San Fran. Absolutely. All right, moving on. The big upset that screwed over a lot of people in the NFL pickums: the Las Vegas Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, once again, the Raiders coming alive. They are now two and zero with a twenty-six to seventeen W over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which I'm going to say it now: the Steelers are frauds. This is kind of their decline of seasons. Mike Tomlin might not have a winning season. I bet you he probably will. But uh, this is kind of like the decline of the Steelers being that potential playoff team, et cetera. Um, with that being said, the Raiders, Derek Carr is on a throwing rampage lately, 382 and two touchdowns, looking great for the, uh, for the Raiders. Um, once again, when they have one of the best tight ends in the league, that being Darren Waller and then Henry Ruggs finally coming alive, uh, looks really good here for the Raiders. And it was a very nice W, and it's still a very respectable, respectable uh, W. That being against a what other people think uh, is a good Pittsburgh Steelers team, but I'm gonna call it now. Steelers are gonna be on the decline this year, with them being in a tough division. Yeah, I mean, really, the biggest takeaway when you look at the Raiders is that Derek Carr is proving why he's in the elite quarterback conversation at least through the first couple weeks of the season. Um, he's got great, great stats. He's got great talent. He's been in the MVP conversation before a few seasons ago, before his injury. Uh, I mean, he's a great quarterback, and if he continues to play this way, the Raiders are a lot better than people think. Um, for the Steelers, you worry about their defense moving forward. They took three groin injuries to starters, This um, one of them being T.J. Watt. Um, you got to worry about that, and on top of that, you have an injury now to – Ben, ben Roethlisberger is talking about a pec injury. 
Um, he was their question mark to begin with on their offense because I think they had talent um, at the receiver and running back position. Um, oh, yeah. But they they don't, yeah, but they're, they're hurting with an older quarterback who at this point honestly probably needs to move on or be replaced by the organization, if, I, if you ask me. And um, they, their O-line is still struggling. So the question mark for the Steelers lies with the offense. Oh, yeah. Uh, ben begs to leave after this year. If they have a bad year, let's go Spencer Rattler to the Steelers. Speak, I don't know. Just uh, vision I see. Moving on. All right. Uh, moving on to a divisional matchup. And another upset, at least in my books, was Saints-Panthers. The Carolina Panthers. Who? Who? That? What? I thought this was a very big upset, definitely in my eyes. Um, 26 to 7 after the Saints ran all over, passed all over the Green Bay Packers. Um, Jameis Winston, uh, did your eyes get worse? I thought you had that LASIK throwing five tutties. He throws two picks. Does straight up not having a good time. He's also their leading rusher. You have Alvin Kamara, and Kamara gets five yards. He's on a lot of my fantasy teams, and this weekend absolutely hurt. That being said, the Carolina Panthers are the real deal. Sam Darnold has a team that's somewhat decent, and he goes for 300 yards. That defense is scary to good to uh, take a Saints team who scored 30-some points last week and hold them to seven. Old Alvin Kamara, one of the best running backs to lead, to five yards. Um, is Carolina low-key the dark horse this year? Are they going to give the Bucks a run for the money? Are they going to be somewhat decent with Christian McCaffrey completely healthy and catching touchdowns or throwing, uh, rushing for touchdowns and catching a bunch of balls? I don't know. It's going to be very uh, exciting, though. Well, the question that everyone had coming into the year with the Saints is, can we can prevent Jameis Winston from being Jameis Winston? Um I'm not going to say it was all just on him because I think that the Panthers' defense is incredible and they do a great job as far as how they scheme and they slant and twist their defensive line up front. It really, really causes havoc and allows a lot of free shots at the quarterback. Jameis was running for his life all game. Um, however, you got to take care of the ball. No touchdowns to two interceptions. That's the Jameis people remember, and that's the Jameis that would take the Saints from a great team to an average team, just like he did with the Buccaneers. On the Panthers' side of the ball, yes, they're a dark horse. They have a great defense, and we have finally seen what happens with Sam Darnold when he gets out of Adam Gase's shadow. You have Christian McCaffrey, who is the best running back in the game as far as a fantasy standpoint goes. Um, they have good receivers. DJ Moore is a talent. Robbie Anderson is a deep threat. These, this team can do something. Watch out for him. All right. Completely agree. It's going to be crazy. Yes, sir. Moving on. Broncos, Jaguars, and the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. I'll go ahead and start it. Uh, for me, this is just about Cortland Sutton's day, man. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, obviously was the right choice for the Denver Broncos moving forward as quarterback. But Cortland Sutton, man, stepping up after Jared Judy gets injured and carted off in week one. For him, if he can provide numbers like that and at least keep the Broncos' offense afloat, their defense is enough to create some havoc and win them some games moving forward. For the Jaguars, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is getting his stats. He's still making some rookie mistakes. He's going to have to grow. They just don't have a team around him, man. The defense isn't good enough. They're not going to stop anybody. And as far as the offense goes, I mean, I like LaVisca Chanel. I like DJ Chart. I mean, they've got people that can play 
it's just a matter of can they like as a team are they really as good as anybody else on paper just yet not sure yeah, uh, the I think Denver Broncos have the easiest start to the season. I think next week they also play. I think the Jets or someone like that, someone super easy. But uh, going to uh, the Broncos, the defense is raw. We knew that coming in. They're a little bit more healthy. They're going to be that Denver Bronco defense, which is very good. Um, two gloves, Teddy Bridgewater, 328 for two touchdowns. That's just nice. And you talked about Sutton already and how great he's going to be. They also have Melvin Gordon, Noah Fan. I mean, they got dudes on that team to become a, I wouldn't say an elite team, but a team to not just uh, roll over for when you go into it. Now, talking about that Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence is having a lot of growing pains coming into the NFL. He is not the Trevor Lawrence dominant type of quarterback at all, but he needs to learn. It's going to take him one or two years to learn and how to be back to be elite at the NFL level. But they also do have great players. I mean, they have Carlos Hyde and James Robinson at uh, running back. I think those are two very solid running backs. Receiving Marvin Jones, DJ Chalk, like, those are pretty decent receivers. So, I mean, they got the talents around them. But when you target Marvin Jones 11 times, he only catches the ball six times, and your next target is DJ Chalk for four times. You got to spread out the wealth a little bit, call different plays, get different news the ball so they can go make plays. We'll see what Jacksonville does with Urban Meyer. Uh, will he leave house to USC? No, he won't. But uh, he's got a lot of learning curve as well with that new uh, head coach. Yeah, the transition hasn't been as smooth as he was hoping so far. All right, next game, divisional matchup, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Bucks. Go ahead. Uh, Goats just playing, playing boys amongst men. And in this game, you have Tom Brady once again throwing two Rob Gronkowski for two touchdowns. Haley was talking to me. She said, Gronk's going to score another touchdown. I'm like, I don't know. He was very inconsistent last year, and he goes and scores two. So I definitely had to shut my mouth right after that. But uh, when your defense balls out, gets uh, all these big plays to make sure that your team gets the ball in short field, um, is absolutely wonderful. I mean, uh, two pick sixes, right, for Mike Edwards? Or at least I know one of them was a pick six. That's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, two pick sixes by Mike Edwards, getting his name in the paper there to help solidify the W over Atlanta. And GOAT just doing GOAT things. Throwing for five touchdowns, zero interceptions, having fun on a Sunday afternoon, spreading the wealth with two touchdowns of Mike Evans, one to Chris Godwin. Um, Antonio Brown had to catch O.J. Howard, Leonard Fournette. He just having fun out there, and the Bucks are scary good. Getting three interceptions on Matt Ryan, who had 300 yards, and just being absolutely dominant on the defensive side, even though they did score 25 points. Tampa Bay Bucks equal scary. Goat is still the goat. It's not even close. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Yeah, um, honestly, Falcons, at least they showed up on offense this week. I thought they looked great, especially against the defending champs, who are supposedly one of the best defenses in the league. Haven't necessarily shown it through the first two weeks, but they've gone against two explosive offenses, at least on paper. So um, it was good to see the Atlanta Falcons offense show up, but really the story is just on the other side of the ball, man. I mean, this offense is absolutely lethal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, regardless of how good their defense already is. And it's the goat at quarterback. I mean, he's thrown for nine touchdowns through his first two games. I mean, he hasn't done that even when he was back on the 2007 Patriots that went undefeated through the regular season. He has never done this before. 
He's doing crazy things at the age of 43, 44 now, I actually want to say. Um, the, he's an incredible story. He's the greatest of all time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is so good and so talented that you have to recognize them as the best team in the league. No doubt. All right. Moving on, another close game, but a great game and a team that you love to put on the hype uh, the hype train, at least early in this season. The Dallas Cowboys, America's team versus the Los Angeles Chargers. It was another struggle. It was another defensive-minded game. Both teams played very well here, but a game-winning uh, kick from the Legatron. Uh, but <laughs> Dak Prescott. 230 yard, uh, 230 yards, no touchdowns. He definitely needs to go prove his worth. But Tony Pollard is the real deal with 100 yards and one touchdown. RB1, question mark, Ezekiel Elliott. But they have the probably the best two uh, back running system in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are a team to be reckoned with because that offense is lethal. They can do it in both uh, both ways through the air with Dak Prescott, who even though he didn't throw for a touchdown, I still thought proved his worth. I still thought that he made great throws throughout the entire game. You just don't always score. Um, but when you have a rushing attack and can balance the way that that offense can through the air and on the ground, um, now they have a running back committee. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, a lot of people like to put him down, but the man is still averaging over four yards a carry on the season. The man still is playing great football, and he can block like no other running back can in this league. I truly believe that. He throws some great blocks in there for Dak Prescott. Um, however, the fact that they have a Tony Pollard, who's the more shifty, kind of faster running back now out of the backfield, yeah, it makes them a better running back by committee. Maybe you don't have to live or die by Zeke, but still, Zeke's going to be productive. Their offense is still going to use him. They're going to be a great offense in general. Dallas Cowboys are a real threat. And then on the other side, the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert threw a couple, threw a, cl- a crucial interception, and that's just kind of growing pains. You're still in year two, but the Chargers are one and one they're a team that's going to be formidable moving forward. No doubt. All right, Sam, we move on to the only, I want to say only overtime game. Oh, no, we had two, right? Because the Chiefs, no, they didn't go overtime. So the only overtime game of the week two, of week two in the NFL season, possibly throughout the first two weeks of the NFL season, the Tennessee Titans and the Seattle Seahawks. I would love to hype up, let Russ Cook and Ty Lockett going for 178. Plain and simple, all hail the king. King Henry came out in the second half, absolutely annihilated Seattle. 182 yards rushing on 35 attempts, four, three touchdowns. That's five yards a carry. Julio Jones also had 128. Tennessee Titans are back. They said, hey, hold up. It was a fluke last week. One and one now with a W over Seattle. Yeah, to show that, to bounce back against a team that everyone thought was arguably better than um, them, than not just the Titans, but even the team they lost to in week one. I mean, when people talk about the NFC West, they were talking about the who's the best team in that division. A lot of people point at the Seattle Seahawks. They really do, especially over the Cardinals. They either point at them, they point at the, uh, or they point at the Rams or something like that. But still, the a lot of teams really believe that this is a, a great, great opponent that they're going up against and for them to bounce back the way they did for Derrick Henry to torch a defense I don't care what defense it is for a running back to torch a defense for 180 yards to a tune of five yards a carry you get your three scores 
Give that man a paycheck. Give him his crown. That man is the king of the arena, the man in the arena. Look at that quote. If you do, I promise it'll keep you motivated for an entire day. But King Henry leading Titans to late in a rally to stun the Seahawks. That's the big story here. All right. Yes, sir. We talked about the Chiefs and Ravens, and that brings us to your favorite division in football, the NFC North, Monday night, the Lions and the Packers. Give it to him. I thought the Lions were going to have a chance. They were trying to bite off kneecaps, but no, it was not <laughs> close. The Packers ended up winning Aaron Rodgers four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even the best Aaron on the field. Aaron Jones was the man of the hour with three receiving touchdowns and one rushing uh, it's tough, tough for Rodgers not being the best Aaron on the team. Hey, I mean, I can understand that. I would say it wasn't Aaron Jones' night, but, I mean, the biggest takeaway is just as Rodgers said it the last two seasons. Hey, R-E-L-A-X, everybody relax. They look fine. Aaron Rodgers coming out and answering with almost as many touchdowns as he had incompletions, only five incompletions to the four touchdowns that he throws. Aaron Jones getting four touchdowns himself out of the backfield. Devontae Adams back over 100 yards. This is the Green Bay offense that we expected to see. Um, I mean, it, it just just good to have them back. I got to bounce back after their poor performance against the Saints. On the other side of the ball, Lions, I don't have necessarily much to say other than people are going to sleep on them all season with the addition of Jared Goff, even though I think Matt Stafford is a better quarterback, they just seem to be playing better. The team in Detroit is a lot better than people give credit for. Yeah. yeah. I just hope, you know, next week's show that the Lions can keep on losing. If the Packers can get back in the L column, I'll be happy. Well, of course. I mean, it's NFC North. It's against your teams. I don't know. Are you playing one of those teams? Uh, who are the Bears? Who are the Bears? No, Cleveland. Check. Cleveland. Oh, yes. We already talked about that. Yes. So Cleveland will be all that. But we will talk about our week three predictions, obviously, in another episode moving forward before we get to Sunday. Is there any last takes that you want to hit as we re- finish up this the recap? The Chicago Bears will beat the Cleveland Browns. Justin Fields will struggle, but he will prevail with a W. All right. And I'm just going to speak it into existence that Zizzy's going to take his place as number one in the NFL pickums. Hot take. Hot take. All right. Everybody, we appreciate you coming in to talk the NFL with us. Obviously, it's NFL primetime season, so we're big on that right now. But this will wrap up our episode 17, season two of the Mickey Zizzy podcast. Thanks for listening to us. We'll be back to talk some more NFL here shortly. And if you're talking sports, just a matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Zizzy podcast. Peace. Peace.